الجزيرة بودكاست Hundreds of thousands of Congolese are caught in a conflict between foreign-backed fighters and the soldiers who are trying to stop them. Rwanda is accused of supporting the M23 group, an allegation that it denies, and some powerful nations seem powerless to prevent the bloodshed. Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests for today's discussion from Kinshasa. We're joined by Fred Barmer. He's the executive director of Ebuteli, a Congolese institute for research on politics, governance and violence. From Lubumbashi, we're joined by Angel de Conge Atangana, the UN Refugee Agency representative in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And from London, we're joined by Mikel Wrong a journalist and the author of Do Not Disturb, the story of a political murder at an African regime gone bad. Fred, we'll start with you. Who is supporting the M23 in the DRC and why? Thank you very much for inviting me and, and for shedding light on, on this in this case. Uh, for, from what we know and from especially the UN, the last UN uh, uh, group of experts reports, M23 has been supported by Rwanda uh, mainly since the beginning of, of its operation, at least back to uh, end of uh, 2021. Uh, we know also from many uh, people in the region that at some point, at uh, one point or another, Uganda supported uh, M23. Now, it's, it's important to mention that the uh, support of Rwanda on, on M23, so on this side, on this uh, new M23, uh, remind also people how M23, uh, M23 back in 2012 and 2013 was also backed by Rwanda and then we saw many countries mobilize um, to put pressure on Rwanda, which we don't really see. But, but this, Fred, this Fred I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What evidence is there to suggest that Rwanda is backing M23 at the moment when Rwanda is saying that it isn't? So there are many evidences uh, from uh, footage from drones owned by the UN mission in DRC, the MONUSCO. There is also some uh, Rwandan... Um, military who were surrendered themselves to the Monosuke base in, uh, in Ruchuru a few, uh, few weeks ago. There is a population, civil society in, in, uh, in Ruchuru who testified to see a group of mili uh, military from, from Rwanda crossing the border. I think the reality of support, uh, of Rwanda support to M23 is known by many people, almost every people in uh, in the region, and I know for sure that many uh, embassies, Western embassies, and other countries, African embassies in Kinshasa, knows clearly that uh, Rwanda and to some extent Uganda are supporting M23, and it's not uh, out of ignorance that people are not calling out Rwanda. Angel, we'll, we'll come to you in just a moment to talk about the humanitarian situation. But first, uh, Michaela in in London, uh, why won't Rwanda admit? that they're supporting the rebels in, in, in the DRC. And, and what's of interest to Rwanda in the Democratic Republic of, of Congo? Why would it want to destabilise the region? Well, this is a game that Rwanda has been playing since 1996, when it supported a rebel group, the AFDL, that uh, crossed into, uh, into what was then Zaire, is now Democratic Republic of Congo, um, to break up the camps of refugees, of Hutu extremist refugees, members of the former army that were camping in eastern Zaire. 
Um, uh, and that, of course, that rebel group ended up toppling uh, Mobutu Sese Seiko, the president of, uh, of Zaire of the day. So ever since then, really, you've seen this history of, of Rwanda uh, in, in the southern parts, in, in Kivu and Uganda further to the north, both regarding it really as their prerogative to go into Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a country where the security forces have a real problem um, uh, exerting control, um, and, and using it as their playground, uh, doing as they wish there. Um, controlling the local politics and also uh, either hoovering up the mineral resources or enabling large-scale um, smuggling of, uh, of all the precious metals that we know are in, in Zaire. So it's got a lot of interest in that. It likes to be seen as a player. Uh, and I think what we're seeing behind this new push that, that really just materialized fairly recently is a feeling in, in, on Rwanda's part that it was being beaten in this game by uh, its rival, Uganda. So Uganda, back uh, last year, signed a deal with um, uh, Kinshasa to uh, build roads, uh, infrastructure in, uh, in, uh, in eastern DRC uh, to help DRC to export its minerals. And also, it would allow Uganda to crack down on the ADF, which is a local rebel group. Um, so um, I, I think that there was a feeling in, in Rwanda of, oh, goodness, Uganda and DRC are getting very pally all of a sudden. That's our area. That's, that's our playground. That's our backyard. And we, we don't fancy being beaten to this by uh, our rival Uganda. Um, this, is, this is, you know, we are the key player in, in the Great Lakes. And if anyone's going to interfere in, in Eastern Congo, it's us. So I, I think that's probably okay, the motivation. Okay. Not very attractive one. Uh, Michaela, as we were hearing a few, a few moments ago, uh, there has been some criticism of Rwanda from the UN, the UK, France. The, the, the US perhaps has been a little more explicit in, in its criticism, but nobody's doing anything. Uh, why? Well, I, your reporter alluded it, to it earlier. There are all sorts of reasons now why the same group of Western donors who support Rwanda, they, they give it considerable amounts of aid every year, um, uh, and they uh, managed to... Um, uh, pulled back on the aid 10 years ago, and, and uh, Rwanda accordingly, and Uganda, therefore then heard that signal and, and scaled back their support for the M23 when it was terrorizing eastern uh, Congo. Um, uh, there's a reason why a lot of those powers nowadays are, are just not that interested. Firstly, they're all distracted by Ukraine, which is their main preoccupation, the war in Ukraine. Uh, but secondly, if you look at France, France has gone from being very hostile towards the, the regime in Kigali to being uh, Kagame, Paul Kagame's best friend. It's relying on Rwandan troops to deal with the jihadist rebels in Mozambique, where it's got... Uh, Total has these considerable um, gas interests. Um, the British are completely compromised now by the attempt, which is uh, currently bought, but their, their project to um, export asylum seekers who are unwanted here in Britain. The whole idea was that they were going to be sent to Rwanda. That's on hold, but hasn't been cancelled as a project. So those are two key countries, key donors, which normally would be quite vocal in criticising Rwanda, and they've effectively been silenced. They're holding their tongues. They know perfectly well what's going on. I, I speak to some of those, those, those players and those officials, and they know perfectly well what's going on, but they, they don't want to say anything. That leaves the states, and the states wants to stay 
uh, on good terms with Kigali because um, there is this emerging profile that Rwanda enjoys of being the policeman of Africa. And there's a feeling that maybe, you know, increasingly Rwandan peacekeepers may have to play a role uh, in combating the jihadist threat in the Sahel. So why alienate Rwanda? So everyone's playing it softly, softly. And in the resulting scenario, of course, it's the Congolese who play the, uh, pay the price. Indeed. Angel, uh, what impact is, is all of this having on the people who live there? Yes, uh, thank you. Good afternoon. Um, the effects are disastrous. Um, as you may know, we have 522,000 refugees who are seeking asylum or who are in refuge in Congo, DRC. Uh, as beside that, we have 5.6 million internally displaced Congolese, topless of the 1 million and more who have sought asylum in the neighboring countries. Only since March this year, we have more than 262,000 persons who have displaced anew. And most of these are actually displaced for many times. And in the territory of Niragongo, where you know the volcano is located, we have 128,000 persons who are displaced. This is a more of a, a yet another series of displacement. And I am glad to hear from the previous speaker that this whole turmoil, if I should say so, has begun almost three decades ago. And there is no, that ha there has been no peace. And if I may say, uh, regardless of who is behind this, I believe the most important thing is really that the people here on ground need Peace. Okay. They need peace at long last. In the meantime, yes. I mean, there, there is no, no peace. Uh, what's being done to care for these people, as you say, who've been displaced, some of them many, many times before? We have uh, indeed uh, uh, many needs. But the people who are uh, again and again displaced definitely are in dire need of shelter. My agency is uh, the lead agency for the shelter cluster for the UN and uh, uh, NGOs. We are striving to bring about that shelter, not least as it is rainy. Uh, uh, it is the rainy season now. Many people are sitting along the roadside and are in schools or uh, public uh, 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 buildings. We need to take them to some shelter. We have been uh, working with the local authority to get a, a, a suitable site for these people, and yet we got one which I understand now the security might not be guaranteed on top of water, which is not found there. So really, we, the humanitarian, are striving to bring about the basic needs, including shelter, uh, water, clean water, and food. And on, of course, we have so many challenges to face, not least among them, the continued insecurity that really needs to stop. Fred, Uganda said on Monday that it's going to send a 1,000 troops into the DRC to join the regional uh, force which is fighting the rebels. It's already got hundreds of soldiers uh, there under a, a separate agreement. Um, from what you were saying about Uganda's involvement in the conflict in the first place, uh, is the presence of, of Ugandan forces going to help or, or hinder the situation? Well, so Uganda is going to join the, um, the Eastern African, like the in DRC this time, 
as part of the Eastern African uh, Community Force. And I have to say, from a, a Congress perspective, there is a, I have a lot of doubts on, on whether that force as a whole can be really effective in resolving the conflict in, uh, in Eastern DRC, knowing that uh, many of countries involved in that um, force have um, their own interest in maintaining some sort of security in Eastern DRC. So Uganda has already uh, militaries uh, fighting ADF uh, with limited results so far in, in uh, Beni area. We, there is evidence that Uganda is backing M23, so I don't know how Uganda can come uh, and, and pretend to be fighting against M23, similar to um, troops like uh, military arm like Rwanda, who will be in the intelligence um, part of the, uh, of the force uh, at the same time backing M23. There is also the Kenyan in the region. They, so far, I think there is a, a couple of hundreds uh, of mil Kenyan military. And I, we, it's, it's not very clear whether uh, by adding more and more and more uh, troops without uh, clear coordination, that will lead to, uh, to results, at least in the short run. Fred, why, why, do, why do people have so little faith in uh, East African initiatives and, and peacekeepers? I mean, this has to do on East Africa and, and as well as, as peacekeepers like MONUSCO and, and other. I think it has to do with uh, the, the, the years of conflicts in general. Mikel Arong uh, mentioned that this has been going on for, for years, for three decades almost. Uh, there is uh, people who have been uh, obliged to leave their house three times, four times, five times in the same region. By group uh, with the same uh, with the same DNA, by the same leaders of, of similar group, they have seen Monusco around for 20 years. Uh, they have seen Uganda as an invader, and then now Uganda as a as a as a savior. I think we can understand clearly two things: the frustration of of Congolese people in the lack of results of UN forces in the, in the, uh, the SNDRC, and also the confusion uh, of seeing. Uh, the same people who yesterday came as invaders uh, come back, coming back as a, as a savior, savior slash invaders, because at the same time they are they are continuing to support um, uh, rebellion in, in the region. And I think the people need to uh, find solutions not only for only this stage of of M23, only this phase of of the rebellion, but try to question. Why is it possible that uh, a group like M23 will uh, keep recycling itself for yep. years after? Uh, and, and, and that's okay. probably well, larger question that well, goes beyond just in Okay, okay. We'll, we'll put that question to McKellar in, in just a moment, as well as, as, as what she thinks of, of attempts to, to mediate peace. But first, uh, McKellar, it, it, are the UK and, and France protecting Rwanda? Well, they're protecting it with their silence. Uh, and they're protecting it by becoming, you know, collaborators with Rwanda in various other projects. Um, so France's support, its aid, its aid uh, to, you know, it's unveiled this major uh, aid, uh, aid grant to Rwanda. It depends on Rwanda 
for uh, its peacekeepers work in Mozambique. It's got a lot invested in that total installation. Britain is desperately hoping that Rwanda, which is the most populated country in Africa, is going to take all these unwanted asylum seekers. So it's uh, both countries are are basically, you know, um, they're complicit. They they they've been silenced because they are relying on Rwanda. So you have this completely hypocritical and anomalous situation in which a country that is creating conflict, fueling conflict, is part of the conflict in Eastern Congo that that just goes on and on and on, festering on and on for decades, uh, is being seen as a, as a peacekeeper and a policeman elsewhere in Africa, which, you know, these are two completely contradictory roles. But apparently the Western powers have signed up for this this uh, this arrangement. So, so I, I think, you know, if, if, if uh, the international community really wanted to see an end to the M23, they would need to put the their aid agreements with Rwanda on the table and make it clear that that aid was coming to an end. And what we saw 10 years ago when the M23 was devastating Eastern Congo is that when they did that, the M23 stopped being a problem pretty much overnight and it withdrew, you know, it was disbanded. Uh, we, we've seen this repeatedly. Once, once the West uses its weapons of okay. leverage, uh, it can affect real so, change, but it's not doing that. So without that leverage, uh, Michaela, what are the prospects then for the, these talks mediated by Angola's president? Uh, that are that are scheduled for these weeks. So are they going to achieve anything? It doesn't seem to me that talks are the issue. Uh, I mean, you know, who, who's talking to who? Uh, and and you know, we we have all these sort of these discussions. We have Uhuru Kenyatta meeting Rwanda, but people are still pretending that Rwanda's not involved, and Rwanda's still pretending it's not involved. So I mean, there's a sort of lack of honesty about the whole situation. I think I think uh, stronger leverage is going to be required. That's what's happened in the past. Um, uh, and in the meantime, we see, you know, the, the, the M23 gradually heading towards Goma. Goma is going to be a big challenge for the M23 because its fighters are going to be extremely unpopular there. We've seen this in the past. There's a huge amount of anti-Tutsi sentiment, and mostly the M23s are made of Tutsi soldiers. Mm. Uh, so, uh, it's, it, you paint a, a pretty bleak picture, Michaela. Um, for the for the moment, you think that, that there's there's nothing to to end this conflict. I need a pretty short answer from you here. Yeah, I I, I think the international community needs to wield a big, big stick on Rwanda. Instead, it's being invited to attend COP meetings, uh, and Kagame is being continues to be fated around Europe. And, uh, and in the industrialised north, you cannot send out both of these messages at the same time. OK. There, we must end it. Time is against us. Many thanks indeed for being with us. Fred Barmer, Angel de Conge Atangana and uh, Michaela Rong. And that's it for the Inside Story podcast. The episode was produced by Priyanka Gupta, Usama Alani, Isaba Mazeva, and Gemma Harry. Studio sound was by Ellie Hani. The program was edited by Saron Morali, Lyndon Guyan, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.